0: Hello, one and all, it is Kevin McDonald, your host and executive producer here at New Mexico PBS, and this is the New Mexico in Focus podcast for Monday, February 28th, 2022. We've got a lot to dive into in this episode, as always, and we want to start by letting you know if you want to keep up with the show throughout the week, we're always doing a ton of stuff on social media and on the web, including regular Facebook, YouTube live conversations, so you want to make sure you don't miss any of that. And the best way to do that is to follow or subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Just search for New Mexico In Focus. Right now, want to dive right back in to our conversation with our most recent line panel that we pulled together for the on-air show on New Mexico PBS, which airs Friday nights at 7 p.m. You can also stream those anytime on the PBS app. But with us on the line panel was Tom Garrity, a regular, and uh, he is with the Garrity Group of Public Relations. Also, Kathy McGill of the Black Leadership Council. And we welcomed back radio personality T.J. Trout, just a great group. And one of the things we wanted to talk about with them was the recent announcement from the Albuquerque police that they were going to be extending officer shifts to 12 hours uh, to try to uh, cover more area and more ground and deal with the staffing shortages as they try to reach 1,200, 1,300 officers. And, of course, this all comes, uh, as we know, we're in the middle of a crime wave. The legislature tried to get some crime measures through. It did get some through. Some other ones didn't make it through. It's a big concern for a lot of folks Last week, we had a street racing incident here in Albuquerque that uh, actually flipped a bus on its side. Some kids were taken to the hospital, non-life-threatening injuries. Luckily, then we had a shooting outside of a school, West Mesa High School, on Friday. So safety and public safety and crime, big topic on the minds of many folks and wanted to know if this is a good strategy for APD or if it's a Band-Aid over a larger wound. So let's find out what the line opinion panels think about all of that.
1: You can watch my full interview with Dr. Timothy Krebs online right now on the New Mexico In Focus Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Now days after the state legislature passed a broad package of in- initiatives MEANT TO HELP FIGHT CRIME, THE ALBUQUERQUE POLICE DEPARTMENT IS ANNOUNCING A CHANGE THAT COULD HAVE AN IMMEDIATE EFFECT. APD SAYS IT'S EXTENDING OFFICER SHIFT TIMES TO 12 HOURS TO HELP COVER STAFFING SHORTAGES. NOW, T.J., IS THIS A GOOD SHORT-TERM SOLUTION? I MEAN, A 12-HOUR SHIFT, YOU KNOW, BEING yeah. A COP IS DIFFERENT THAN 12 HOURS DOING A WHOLE LOT yeah. OF OTHER THINGS. I'M CURIOUS YOUR THOUGHTS HERE.
2: AGAIN, I KEEP PASSING THE BUTT, GENE, BUT uh, DON'T ASK ME, ASK THE COPS. <laughs> I, oh man i've I been mean, working a 12-hour shift that's 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 got to be tough I, I, i'm wondering if they're cutting back giving them less like a less day to work one less day to work and doing 12 hours right. four days it, it is a
1: four-day scheme
2: Wow, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, that is though, part of it. Man. But 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 what do you do? I mean, uh, I had Martin Chavez on the air uh, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. and we were talking about when he was mayor. He had an average of what about 1,100 officers on the streets at one point when he was mayor. And he thinks now, based on our population, that we need between 1,300 and 1,400 officers on oh, the street. Oh wow! So that so he thinks what 400 more would be good. 500 would be better. Yeah, uh, and, and, and and you know when I when I talk. Um, Often on of the record with law enforcement, I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and they've oh, repeatedly, over and over, they tell me, they said, look, what we're doing right now, we don't have time for neighborhood policing anymore. You know, we're going from, from 911 call to 911 call, we're dealing with emergency to emergency. That's all they're doing. Right. It was a positive thing to see recently about the traffic stops. I mean, I mean, obviously that needed to be done and mm-hmm. pull over speeders, mm-hmm. which is good because that's a way that they're, they're, they're catching a lot of wanted felons. That's the way they're apprehended. Uh, I want, I want to revert back to one thing that Tom said earlier, and I just need to have in this. what happened on Wednesday with the street racer slamming into that school bus? I mean, I mean, why is it, why is this happening? We all see it on the streets. We see it almost every day. We see people racing. I see these muscle cars go zooming by me every day.
0: I mean, it happens
2: because there's been no price to pay. There's been no repercussions or, Uh, For street racing. Mm -hmm. And again, a lack of law enforcement. It's not their fault. We need to hire more officers. Mm -hmm. Tom, I'm curious,
1: any concerns about a 12 hour shift from you?
3: Well, uh, disclosure: uh, I have family who works for APD. My thoughts are my own. You know, I think generally there needs to be a consistency in schedule. Okay. And you know, it is three twelves, and then every other week it's an eight-hour day. I see. And you just can't get consistency if you're doing you know three twelves, and then and then you know because you get we're all about rhythm, right? As right. far as uh, you know, we have a five-day work week or a four-day work week. I thought that the four tens uh, was something that worked very well, but. WITH THAT SAID, I DON'T KNOW, YOU KNOW, ALL THE DIFFERENT LOGISTICS, THE NUMBER OF REAL OFFICERS THAT ARE OUT PATROLLING THE STREETS ON BEATS. Uh, I KNOW THAT WE NEED MORE AND THAT THERE'S AN ACADEMY CLASS OF ABOUT 50 PEOPLE, uh, CADETS WHO WILL SOON BE ON THE STREETS, WHICH IS GREAT. Uh, BUT, uh, YOU KNOW, IT'S ABOUT INCREASING, I THINK, INCREASING THE COMMUNITY PRESENCE AND CONNECTION TO THE COMMUNITY IS BEST THROUGH CONSISTENCY. AND I'M NOT A LAW ENFORCEMENT uh, STRATEGIST. Uh, BUT, YOU KNOW, I WOULD BE HARD-PRESSED TO SAY THAT CONSISTENCY IS ACCOMPLISHED WITH THREE 12-HOUR SHIFTS. YEAH, THAT'S A GOOD
1: POINT THERE. Um, KATHY, I HAVE TO GO RIGHT BACK TO THIS WHOLE SITUATION. THE BOTTOM LINE IS WE HAVE STAFFING SHORTAGES. THAT'S WHY THIS IS HAPPENING. NOT BECAUSE IT'S MORE FUN. WE HAVE SHORTAGES OF POLICE OFFICERS. BUT WE HAVE MONEY IN THE PIPELINE NOW, A TON OF MONEY TO HIRE OFFICERS. WHAT HAVE YOU HEARD OR SEEN THAT MAKES YOU FEEL LIKE WE HAVE MORE OFFICERS? In process to to follow the money, so to speak. Are you seeing anything that tells you, wow, these guys are on that way to that 1,300 or 1,400 number that TJ mentioned?
4: I um, this has been an ongoing problem, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the citizenry should understand that it's not as easy as waving a magic wand to say, oh, we're just going to hire 500 more officers. It's you know not that easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recruiting process needs to be looked at for how we get people um interested in law enforcement and you know what the officers would say is that you know there's been uh, a lot of people leaving because they feel like they aren't being supported and it's difficult to replace them and people are not going into uh law enforcement any longer Mm -hmm. uh, because of that so what they have tried to do i think is say uh let's you know increase the salary um and you know now they're increasing salary for entry-level officers and for people who've been on the force for 14 years or longer and i think you know hopefully that will have an effect but all of it is just really surface level until we have a comprehensive solution Mm -hmm. about the problems that face us and we start telling the truth about the fact it's going to take some years to get to that 1300 or 1400 we can't just say Oh, next year we're going to have 1,300 officers. That really, truly is right. not going to happen. TJ is about money. I
1: mean, we could hang out a salary that could beat the band. Now we got up so much money to pull officers in. But I hear Tom's point about the. And Chief Medina made this point too. About 50 cadets about to turn out of the academy here. Do we really want cadets out or or, or new officers on the mean streets of Albuquerque without, you know, enough other experienced people with them? Do you know what I'm saying here? It, 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 what, IT'S it's so not just a police officer it's a kind of police officer we're talking about here as well well
2: this well, to what, so what Kathy says this is mm-hmm. this is something that's gonna take a whole lot of time I mean and uh, you, you just can't like wave a magic wand over this thing and just poof we're gonna get 300 more officers it's not gonna, I mean, they all have to go through they all have to go through the process there right. and uh, and not only that uh, I mean, everybody. You know, yeah, we got money. Uh, we just gave our co- our cops RACES, That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are in competition with other cities across the country right. because every other city across the country is doing the exact same thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, we yeah, sure, we got we got the money. Uh, what can we offer these officers that will entice them to come to Albuquerque instead of coming to going to El Paso, going to Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. Denver, somewhere like that? What can we give them to make it more attractive?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know,
1: Tom uh, Mayor Keller had set a goal for APD pretty loudly about this to reach 1,200 officers by 2020. Um, that total was, I think, we're at 926. I think it is right now currently. I mean, it just does any of this blame fall right on the mayor's office here? I mean, I ask that knowing that he just got reelected, so the population didn't exactly blame him for crime and his response. But uh, how much responsibility
3: should the mayor uh, be held to here? Oh, gosh, Gene, you're going to paint me into a corner on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the mayor is addressing it the best of the way that I think he can address it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has his plan. Let's see how his plan plays out. Uh, you know, I you know I was encouraged when uh, 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 Mr. Stanley uh, joined the police force. He's no longer uh, part of the leadership team, which I think is a is is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's see how Chief Medina, uh, you know, has things with his own shop. Uh, you know, several years into the process. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm gonna take a pass on this one. Works that works. Hey T.J., any of the, does this move undercut any of the political momentum gained with the passage
1: of the crime package? last week so, i mean you just broke up say that one more time does this impact uh the gains made through the uh, the political gains means uh, specifically uh, from the passage of the crime package last week these these two things don't exactly go together
2: yeah, i'm still dubious about the package of the crime package ah. i don't i'm not i'm not very pleased with how the legislative uh, legislative session went with that right um, i I think uh, I don't I don't know what they did. I don't know what they were thinking. I, I just I just don't think they were listening to all of us very well mm-hmm. uh, with, 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 the, with the crime package. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have a. I would say I, I, I say we have a crisis going on. We have to put the fire out. We somehow got to get the fire put out. Mm-hmm. Then let's look at other things and we got to figure out how that fire needs to be put out.
1: Good last word. Oh, uh, sorry. My fault yeah. there. Thanks again to our line panel, as always. This week, be sure to let us know what you think about any of the topics our line covered on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages.
0: going To stick in Albuquerque for a minute. You might remember it was before the pandemic that the Albuquerque City Council passed a new ordinance banning the use of plastic bags in grocery stores, retail stores, other places needed to bring those reusable ones or else you were going to get charged uh, 10 cents A bag I believe it was and uh, part of the reason you may have forgotten about that is once the pandemic hit uh, that was lifted temporarily but has been back in place for a couple months but now there is a new movement afoot to repeal that plastic bag ban and it might be for some interesting reasons you hadn't thought about and so we wanted to get to the bottom of that move. It is a move being uh, sponsored by District 4 City Councilor Brooke Passan And our land correspondent, Laura Paskus, caught up with her recently on Facebook Live to talk about why she's pushing for this and also get an update on where it stands and how you can uh, make sure you get your feedback into her and the rest of the city council before a final vote. So let's send it right over to Laura Paskus.
5: Good morning, everyone. This morning, we're talking about the Clean and Green Retail Ordinance, which the Albuquerque City Council ba- passed back in 2019. The ban took effect in January 2020, but it was suspended a few months later because of the pandemic and then reinstated last summer. I'm here this morning with Albuquerque Councilor Brooke Brasan. Thank you for joining me this morning.
6: Thank you for having me.
5: So you're interested in, you'd like to repeal this ordinance. Can you talk about why
6: Sure, I you know, with the pandemic happening and with the pause that we had, with the emergency orders, the need for us to make sure that people were safe from the spread of viruses and masks being used and social distancing and store closures. In addition to so many other things that I learned through the pandemic, one of them being that our city recycling plant is unable to recycle, um, plastic bags of any kind, but at the same time, we're struggling to recycle some of the other materials as well with our plant. So a whole bunch of different uh, avenues came up and different problems. So even businesses would either have supply chain issues with getting the reusable bags, or they have a stockpile of bags available. My point is, is that there's a whole bunch of information and priorities to each individual out there. And I think that it dawned on me and some others that we were having conversations that people should have the right to choose what is the priority for them, whether it be the you know elimination of plastic use in their life or whether it be a reuse of any kind of materials or even finding some way to make sure that they are cleaner and more sanitary in their day-to-day living.
5: So the, the ordinance was a pretty hard fought debate Um, to get a pass. And of course, there was a lot of frustration and confusion at the beginning, but haven't people largely adjusted at this point? And some people might say, if they're cynical, might be saying that this is a a way to curry some political points right now to repeal this ban.
6: So definitely not any kind of political motivation with this one. This is truly a, who, who knew that the pandemic was coming? Who knew that there were going to be a change in priority for different health measures as well? Uh, research is coming out that's saying, you know, in, in all fairness, and I said this a while back too, on one of our meetings that whatever you go looking for, when it comes to research, you're going to find the answers you're looking for. So I respect that. I respect that there is research saying, you know, we need to eliminate the use of plastic, but there's also research saying that using paper or using the stitched reusable bags can also be negative in their own way. Again, depending on what you're looking for and what your priority is. So with the pandemic happening, with the change in really a big societal norm, we have a new norm going on. And I think that we have to be able to pivot and recognize what is important to people. And if people think that they need to use a reusable bag, if they want to use paper, if they want to use plastic, my point is they should be able to decide. We shouldn't be making decisions for them, especially now that we know that there are different priorities for many, many people. I'm afraid I
5: don't totally understand what you mean by different priorities when it comes to the plastic bags.
6: Sure. I know a lot of people that have disabilities that actually are requesting and need help with making sure that they have a looped bag, whether that be reusable or not. But that's a plastic bag for a lot of them. People are concerned about hygiene whether they be employees in a store, whether they be consumers in a store. uh, And I think that that's another thing where plastic can, can come in handy. If you don't go home and wash these reusable bags in 140 degree water with soap, every single time they're used, then it can be argued that bacteria is building up. And I'm not just talking about COVID, but people are caring more about germs. Even with the new mask mandate being lifted, you still see people going out and making sure that they're now still wearing, they're choosing to continue wearing a mask because they wanna make sure that they are doing what's best for their priority and their health and their benefit.
5: I haven't seen the science on um, the the sort of uh, movement of viruses and bacteria through reusable bags, but um, the food that we buy in our grocery stores is typically packaged. So I'm not sure, like, what is being spread when people you reuse their bags?
6: Well, the first thing that comes to mind to me is meat. When you buy meat in a grocery store, a lot of times they drip. Some people put them in a plastic bag and to, to create that barrier before putting them in a reusable bag, but some don't. So if there's, you know, there's, um, now see now my dog's barking just for the record. After all that. <laughs> Um, if you end up having meat and these different juices and blood and raw matter inside the reusable bags, if people don't go home and clean that, which I would hope they would, I would hope they do. But if they don't, then there can be other bacteria that builds up. There can be, there's people are finding in different stats. If you go out and research again, where you decide to research is going to be kind of paramount. But there's fecal coliform, there's other E. coli matter. And so these, if they're put in the trunk of a car, can grow and spread even more than they would if you just took them out and let them air dry or hopefully wash them again.
5: Uh, so had, uh, the, have you heard from constituents that are concerned and sort of what are the, the numbers? look like um, when a city councilor hears from certain people, like, how do you decide how many people are on this side? How many people are on that side? And this is what I'm going to go forward with in terms of my priorities as a councilor.
6: Sure. Well, I'm definitely hearing from both sides. You know, I mean, there's definitely people that are saying thank you for this We, you know, we miss the plastic bags. They're going out. People are buying more plastic bags instead of reusing what would be otherwise provided from stores. So we're not really seeing for some an elimination or a minimization. It's just that they're paying money for it. And then you have them the other side of it saying, Well, we're ingesting the microplastics and we need to be safe, and our environment needs this. So Being both sides are reaching out, that's exactly why I think that it should be up to having a choice. People should be able to choose what is best for them and what is most important for them in their life and how they want to impact everything, whether it be on a global scale, a local scale, or a daily scale.
0: And
5: as I recall, the ordinance came about in part because of some youth activists who are working on the issue. Have you met with them or talked with them at all about this?
6: So I've had meetings with some people. I wouldn't say that any of them have indicated they're part of the youth activists that have initiated the original part of the bill, but I've had meetings, definite conversations, uh, interviews, I'm willing to talk. I respond to emails. I make sure that people know that this is not just a political move. This is not just about money. This is about offering a choice instead of a mandate.
5: And so your proposal passed the council's finance and government operations committee recently. When does it go to the full council and kind of what's the process there?
6: So our next council meeting is this coming Wednesday in two days. It will not be on that one because it has to go. um, It it was on the letter of introduction for this last Friday. So it'll be uh, to be heard at the next meeting um, in, in a couple of weeks after that. So we have about two weeks and a couple days or about two actually two weeks from today now that i'm thinking about it because today's monday
5: (laughs) um and so with so much happening i feel like just a quick look around albuquerque we are faced with so many challenges whether that's the pandemic or mental health climate change water challenges homelessness crime why revisit this particular ordinance right now
6: Sure. Well, this is one that, again, was brought to my attention, whether it be from consumers, whether it be from businesses. Uh, It was a whole different level of communication. But I think that we absolutely, it's my number one priority to do what I can to reduce crime, to do what I can to improve homelessness. And arguably, I think some people could say that Plastic shouldn't be, you know, all of us agree it shouldn't be floating around but some people need a more disposable or reusable option as far as a temporary thing, especially for homeless people that are having these encampments we're seeing problems with that as well. So it's my it's my priority to reduce crime and homelessness in our city, but at the same time that doesn't mean that we have to ignore other things that are impacting our lives on a daily basis. And that being said, you know businesses are struggling, consumers are more concerned in a different way than they were two years ago. And I think that that's very important to recognize.
5: So with the plastic bag issue, there's kind of, um, as I understand, two kinds of sides two reasons why this was an important ordinance when it was passed was to reduce the the manufacture of plastic bags, which is heavily oil and gas um, reliant, which is a a polluting process in and of itself. And then kind of the the waste stream issue and the litter issue. How How can both of those problems be addressed?
6: Sure, so again, when you research one way or the other, you can find out that even with the manufacturing of paper bags, that that also can be a problem with different environmental impacts. Most of the things that I was able to find is saying that the ethylene used, this is, I'm gonna have to look at my notes to make sure I don't screw it up for you, but the ethylene used uh, is, is what's used to make plastic bags And that it must be removed from natural gas anyway. So if we're going to be removing that from natural gas, why not make bags that are going to be a little bit more accommodating to some people? Paper can actually cause problems environmentally as well. Some people are finding that lead is in reusable stitched bags or they're coming in from other states and, or I'm sorry, the other countries that end up having some other economic and or environmental problems there too. But I think that When you're looking at the manufacturing side, you also have to look at the delivery side where plastic is not taking up so much space in trucks. So there's statistics out there saying that the same number of paper bags would take seven trucks to be able to have to transport versus one truck would be able to transport the same amount of plastic bags. That being said, my point, is that we also have to look at the fuel used in all of these trucks and the impacts on our roads and that part of our system. And then as far as going to the other end of that with littering and recycling, I think it's important that people know these bags can be recycled, we just don't do it here at a local level. We can make sure to put up the proper uh, packaging and and the, the boxes that are at the stores so that way people can make sure to bring back their produce bags to bring back any of the plastic bags that they're not using. And we can make sure as a city that we transport those so that they get properly recycled as well.
5: So looking around the country, there are hundreds of cities that have undertaken plastic bag bans, Um, San Diego, California, Portland, Oregon, just hundreds of cities. Um, Why do you think those bans have been successful in other cities but aren't, aren't working here in Albuquerque?
6: I don't think that it's necessarily that they're working better in another city versus ours or the other way around, but I think people are finding a different solution. There's other statistics out there saying that trash bag sales have gone up in those cities. So people are purchasing bags. They're going to the equivalent of a Dollar Tree and purchasing trash bag liners that are made out of the same plastic we're trying to avoid using. And rather than making sure that they're getting reused from one to two options, is now turning into a, it's being purchased for an additional use and never going to be used more than once anyway.
5: So I know this is, um, a, 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 Popular is probably the wrong word, but a, a hot button issue for many people. If they want to weigh in on this, um, what is the best way for them to do that here in Albuquerque?
6: Sure, they can go and they can reach out. I mean, we're getting a lot of emails and I know that some of them are directed straight to me, which is fine. So I'm my email is bbassan at cabq.gov. But there's also you can go to the city council website and you can choose uh, contact your counselor. You can contact either your own counselor or you can contact all of the counselors. So a lot of the emails we're getting are going out to all of us um, so that we all get to hear from the same person and we all get the same message. Uh, and so that's a great way to be able to communicate with whether it's just me, whether it's somebody else indirect, or if it's everyone all together. All right.
5: We will put that link to the city website in the comments there. Um, counselor, thanks
6: for joining me bright and early-ish on a Monday morning. You got it. Thank you for having me. Have a good day.
0: Another great reason to follow us on all our social media channels. That was our full interview with city councilor, Brooke Basson. We only had time for a short snippet in the show last week, but you just got to hear the whole thing. So search us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, just search for NM in focus and give us a like or a follow or whatever you need to do on that particular platform. All right, we're going to end things here with uh, our warm-up, what we do for the show each week with the line opinion panelists. We call it One More Thing, their chance to bring up an item or issue that we aren't going to cover in the show but that they're following closely, and it's a good batch this week from the state, dilapidated state of Tingley Beach to Black History Month. A lot of great things here. So once again, Tom Garrity, T.J. Trout, Kathy McGill, and, of course, host Gene Grant.
1: I'm Gene Grant here in the studios of New Mexico PBS with our Line Opinion panelists right there joining me on Zoom. We're about to record this week's show, but before we do, we love to warm up by taking a turn on other issues that are on our minds. What a great group we have today. Hey, Kathy McGill, always good to see you. So curious about your one more thing. Hey, Gene. It's great
4: to see you guys also. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to talk about the fact that this is the end of uh, black history month in February Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of things going on um, that continue throughout the year, and, and what one of the things that we want to make sure that we understand that Black History is American history is 24/7, 365. So we announce uh, events that we're doing throughout the year mm-hmm. uh, as we really work to make sure people understand that it's a part of what's happening. This this particular week is is very poignant for me. Um, we have our Kumbuka celebration. Kumbuka means to remember in Swahili, and uh, my brother from another mother. 40 years, Uh, Michael Herndon passed away uh, at the end of last year, Mm -hmm. and so our celebration that is actually going to be in person at the Highland Theater um, on Sunday um, is to commemorate his life and legacy, and uh, we have just a, you know, who's who of of New Mexico artists who are coming out to celebrate Michael's life, and to uh, help us uh, sort of just Figure out how we contextualize um, our remembrance and and our grief at losing so many of our great heroes and heroes.
1: Mm-hmm. It's been a tough month in the African American community. Tough month. It's been a tough last few months in the community. We've lost yes. a number of really high-profile folks who have done a lot for this community. Kathy and I, 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 I feel your yes. pain on that. It's been, it's been tough. Yes. A good friend of both of ours, KALANJI, passed away, and oh, it's been tough. It's been tough. So David I appreciate Jones that.
4: And- you know, just just so many people that maybe a lot of, of our viewers may not know, but That's they right. were stalwarts in our communities, and so you know we're we're just trying to hold that grief mm-hmm.
1: How do folks get uh, involved with the Michael Herndon thing Sunday night? Do they have to buy tickets ahead of time at the door? It's free.
4: YOU KNOW, EVERYTHING WE DO IS FREE. Um, WE'RE PRACTICING COVID SAFE PROTOCOLS AT THE HIGHLAND THEATER. YOU JUST NEED TO GO TO OUR WEBSITE, Mm NMBLACKHISTORY.NMBLC.ORG, AND YOU'LL FIND OUT A LIST OF EVERYTHING THAT'S GOING ON ALL AROUND THE COMMUNITIES. THERE'S EXHIBITS, THERE'S uh, ALL KINDS OF THINGS THAT ARE HAPPENING, NOT JUST IN THIS MONTH, BUT THROUGHOUT THE YEAR.
1: GOOD STUFF, NMBLC.ORG, GOOD STUFF THERE. TJ TROUT, 96-3, KKOB, HOST, 3-6 to P.M. EVERY MONDAY THROUGH FRIDAY. I am so glad you're with us this week. I'm so curious what you're going to have to say about our topics when we start taping the show for Friday night. You're the best. But now is now. What's your one more thing for this week?
2: Well, I'm so happy to be here. Always good to be on your show, Gene. I love it. Reciprocity's good. Yes, it
1: is. I love being on your show, too. Always. I get a lot of good feedback from that. It's amazing. So there's things
2: going on in town, Gene. You Mm -hmm. know that. We got the crime. We got the home. We got all the things going on in town. Mm -hmm. So that said... Tingley Beach, specifically the Bob girding South Catch and release, release Lake at Tingley Beach. It's oh. a terrible mess. It's overgrown, it's filling in, it's murky. People aren't following the rules. It's nothing like it was envisioned back when it was put in. Bob was a dear friend of mine. He was my family when he was in town and a lot. So recently, both his sons contacted me because somebody emailed them telling both of them about the decrepit state of their beloved dad's namesake. And I told them I was aware of the problem and railing against this condition. Now on the air, demanding the city do something about it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no yeah. avail. So I put both of them on my show where they ask, how could the city let their dad's beloved Lake get into such a state of disrepair It almost made me cry, but it also made me angry all over again. Now this can be fixed. There's money to fix this, but it's not getting done. Oh. And once it's fixed, it needs to be maintained. Now, I am a firm Malcolm Gladwell believer. Uh, In his book, Tipping Point, he stated that if you make an area where people live more attractive, clean, user-friendly, crime will go down naturally and people will have a better outlook on life. And I believe that. Mm -hmm. Does the city believe that? I don't know. (laughs) Look, I know we got crime problems, we have infrastructure problems, we have homeless problems, But maybe just maybe if we take care of the good things we have, maybe things will start to get better. Mm-hmm. Hey city, are you listening? You have the money, fix the lake. I will volunteer to help and I will get minions to come with me to help. <laughs> I, I don't
1: there mean to go. laugh. What is the actual issue at the lake? What's going on that they need to
2: fix? Well, the, well they let it go into a state of disrepair. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, back when it was pristine, the water was clear. It was awesome. Now it is- yeah. It's overgrown, it's murky, it's silted in. Um, they need to they need to get back in and 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 just to do stuff, and then the thing is, Gene, they need to they need to maintain it, yeah. and they need to they need to get people to follow the rules because the, the the rules, there's signs all over the place, but apparently the rules aren't clear enough. Mm-hmm. So,
1: is, is it affecting the fish? Uh, is there less fish in the water now? Is that what you're saying? Oh, well,
2: there's less fish in the water specifically because the rules, are, yes, because the rules aren't being followed because the fish are being poached out of the lake, oh. and, and 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 the water. Uh, condition is not where it needs to be for trout to thrive in the lake
1: gotcha so okay
2: i can well, get into more details on this but i won't
1: it, you know it's a, it's it's supposed to be a jewel for our city I, I appreciate the fact you're looking at this thing over saying guys you know this has to look good we don't have a choice here actually it's one of the things we brag about right in our
2: city. right when it was put in it was beautiful Tingly is it, it's great mm-hmm. well let's put it this way it was great so they got to bring it back to where the way it was when it was put in
1: good stuff there I'll have to follow that on your show, 96.3 KKOB FM, as these things go along. And Tom Garrity, oh, man, I've been thinking about you so much. There are so many things in the news that pop up. I always think, well, Tom's in the middle of that. That's amazing. So I'm so yeah. curious what your one more thing is for this week. Oh, my gosh.
3: It's actually four more things. And so right. I'm just going to take up the next 20 minutes. I'm just going to Do it, to it. <laughs> but to follow up on what TJ was saying, you know, the Girding family, such a, you know, uh, personal friends as well. And, you know, they're really just... Uh, it's a solid family and it's just a, a tragic to see mm-hmm. how that whole pond uh, dedicated to Bob has gone into disrepair. The, the things that have caught my mind, you know, TJ touched on one of the items as far as homelessness, the oh. Wells Park issue has just really caught my attention. Balloon Fiesta and of course all the discussion about uh, what everybody thought was, what is an ADS be? Well, right. the good news is, is that, uh, you know, Balloon Fiesta does not need to make its application for waivers with the FAA until the April timeframe. So, you know, there's still plenty of time for the Balloon Fiesta to work everything out. And, you know, there are verbal agreements as, uh, has been reported on. But uh, uh, the thing that really kind of caught my attention uh, is what happened out on the West side yesterday with the speed, with the racing, uh, that is just, to me, just inconscionable, right. you know, to have a car reportedly driving hundred miles per hour, uh, running into a school bus, doing nine miles per hour. And it's not, it's not the kids. I mean, this, the, the person who was uh, booked uh, is, is a 49 year old person. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, this is, just, it, this is the stuff that just drives me crazy uh, because, you know, the type of press that the city has been receiving lately uh, has really not been good. Um, mm-hmm. I was on travel last week uh, when there was, uh, you know, stabbings taking place. Uh, there are, you know, the the crime rampage as well. I know we're going to be talking about APD during, uh, you know, the main line segments and such. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this, you know, this whole bus accident uh, and, you know, two kids in surgery uh, is it, just, it, it really discouraged me. Yeah. AND uh, I THINK IT DISCOURAGED AND ANGERED A LOT OF PEOPLE. I HAVE TO AGREE WITH YOU, TOM. I THINK YOUR WORDS ARE PERFECT. I THINK THE LAST
1: FEW WORDS THERE, THEY DID, IT DOES ANGER A LOT OF PEOPLE. THIS IS A RESIDENTIAL NEIGHBORHOOD. WHEN YOU SEE THOSE PICTURES, it, it, it's, IT'S OUTRAGEOUS. And YOU GUYS ALL KNOW ME PERSONALLY IN MY STAND ON STREET RACING VERSUS LEGAL DRAG RACING AND ALL THAT. WE'RE NOT GOING TO GET INTO THAT HERE. BUT I, I FIND IT INTERESTING, TOM, THAT APD HAS NOW ANNOUNCED THIS NEW, WE'RE WRITING LOTS OF TRAFFIC CITATIONS FOR SPEEDING NOW. WOULDN'T YOU HAVE THOUGHT THAT WOULD HAVE BEEN a, a THING TO HAVE DONE, I DON'T KNOW, A YEAR AGO, A YEAR AND A HALF AGO OR SO? HOW DO YOU MAKE THE FOCUS ON WRITING TICKETS NOW? IS THIS GOING TO BE IMPACTFUL?
3: Uh, YEAH, I THINK IT'S GOING TO BE IMPACTFUL. I, okay. mean, I WAS uh, HEADING OUT TO CORONA, NEW MEXICO YESTERDAY AND DRIVING OUT ON uh, EASTBOUND I-40. And I mean, you started seeing brake lights going all over the place. I'm thinking, right. is there an accident or something? <laughs> no, it's it's the APD, you know, taking care of the speed guns and pulling people over. And I thought, OK, that has an immediate impact that's on right. everybody around when you have, you know, five, six officers pulling over folks for speeding. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing because, mm-hmm. you know, I even caught myself. I'm not going to say how fast I was going, but I laid a very quickly corrected my own speed on the interstate mm-hmm. to, you know, really it, it gives you it gives you pause to think. About your surroundings, and you know you're, you know, really fitting in with traffic. Uh, and you know what? There's nothing really that important unless you know it's a life or death kind of situation that you need to be speeding. Right. And right. so I think that uh, you know a lot could have been done before, but you know what? A lot's being done now, and I like that. Good stuff. Have to
1: wrap that up there. Thanks for joining us, New Mexico, and Focus airs Friday nights. You might know, but also Sunday mornings,
6: right here on New Mexico PBS.
0: the time we have for on this podcast but we're already cooking on new content for you for our next episode that'll be coming out as usual on friday until then we hope you stay safe and you stay healthy and we thank you so much for listening this is kevin mcdonald your host and executive producer at new mexico pbs